Thank you for being here tonight. I hope you brought your Bible with you. Turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter number 17. Proverbs chapter number 17. Middle of your Bible is the book of Psalms. Right after that is the book of Proverbs. Then locate chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently as is our custom here at the Anchor Baptist Church and in respect to the Lord and his word. Proverbs chapter 17, please look at verse number 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Verse number 6, once you get there. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Matthew chapter 26, please. Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter 26, locate verse number 50. Verse number 50. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Of course, that was Judas. We'll hit on this in just a moment. Friends and friendship. It's amazing what we think those terms mean, especially, I guess, in our society. Maybe it's always been this way. I do not know. How, how would you describe that word, friend or friends? How would you describe it? How would you put definition to it? Songs have been written about it, poems trying to describe it. But how would you, if I said, what does friendship mean to you? What would you say? Define friendship to yourself. What would you say? Somebody said, am I your friend? What do you mean by that? What would you say? I want to try to help you understand that tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. I ask you to please help me to help your people, not for my sake, but for the cause of Christ and for their sakes. Help us, Lord, please, tonight. I, I think we're, we're off base, most of us, on this thing of friendship, and I want to help. So let me help your people tonight, and I'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When troubles come, your soul to try, you love the friend who just stands by. Perhaps there's nothing he can do. The thing is strictly up to you. For these are troubles all your own, and paths the soul must tread alone. Times when love can't smooth the road, nor friendship lift the heavy load. But just to feel you have a friend who will stand by until the end, whose sympathy through all endures, whose warm hand clasp is always yours. It helps somehow to pull you through, although there's nothing he can do. And so with fervent heart we cry, God bless the friend who just stands by. Friends are a wonderful, you won't believe the next word, responsibility. We say they're wonderful things, they're wonderful people. Friends are a great responsibility. Brother Hyle said one time, blessed is the man who has a friend. More blessed is the man who is a friend. Most blessed is the man who has a friend and is a friend. 
So we have to have both. We really do. I think when you just have friends, and we pick our friends many times by going, I think they'll, they'll be nice. I like being, they make me feel happy. They make me feel good. They're good for me. Is that what friendship is? I don't know. Let me help you understand. Years and years ago, there was an English uh, editorial or paper, if you would, that put out a plea or, or a questionnaire, if you would. Please describe, send in your best description of friendship. Among the thousands that were received, these are the ones that they published and said tend to in, in, in encourage the most. Here, here's some of them. One who multiplies joys and divides griefs. That's pretty good. One who understands our silence, that, that's me. Silence is so misunderstood sometimes. That's what we do. A volume of sympathy bound in cloth. A watch which beats true for all time and never runs down. But here's the definition that won the whole thing. A friend, one who comes in when the whole world goes out. Now, in case you're thinking about yourself, we're talking about the other person. That's part of the problem with friendship. We're always thinking of us, what makes me happy, uh, can I find a good friend, those kinds of things. So much has been said about friends and, and what is a friend in friendship. When we lose a friend, and this is true, when we lose a friend, we die a little bit. There's something that's missing. It seems to always be missing after that. A true friend is never known until he is needed Think about that. I often tell people, what are friends for but to use them? I didn't say misuse them. Well, you can't use your enemies when you need help. You use your friends when you need help. So what are friends for but to use them, okay? Promises may get friends, but performance must keep them. Friendship is like a bank account. You can't continue to draw on it without making some deposits. You can't just keep taking from friends. They'll only put up with that for so long. I don't think they should. Jesus keeps taking, doesn't he? But somewhere along the line, you're going to have to invest on something. It is smart to pick your friends, but not to pieces. I don't think you ought to let everybody just get real close to you. I don't think everybody ought to be your friend. But it's amazing, once we become friends and we get used to each other, we feel as though I can talk to them any way I want to because I know them. Bad mistake to do that. So much could be said about friends and friendships. If you were another person, would you like to be a friend of yours? Now, I can see the, the chest swell out right now and the head get, sure, why not? Are you sure about that? The Bible speaks often, now I'm not going to have you turn to all of these, but you may if you want to write them down. The Bible speaks often about friends and friendship. For example, in John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, than he laid down his life. He's not talking about physically dying. He's talking about everything that's important to you, set it aside for them. This is what's supposed to happen when you get married. You're laying down your life for them. Yeah, but what about, see, it's our nature to act that way, right? John 15, 14, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. Of course, this is Jesus. Jesus said, I want you as my friend, but we can't walk together if you don't agree with me, if you don't follow me the way you should. Proverbs 18, 24, a man that hath friends must first show himself to be friendly. You wonder sometimes why nobody seems to sit with me, nobody wants to be around me. Don't take this wrong. Maybe it's not very friendly. 
So, what's the Bible say? The Bible said, if a man hath friends, he must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Job 42.10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friend. By the way, those are the friends that it talked about, those four guys that came and gave him advice and said, you've sinned and you've got to have done something wrong. And God said, I will tell the devil, back away, because he's gone through everything he can except one last thing. Forgive those who did you wrong. And the Bible said he released his captivity, what he was captured in when he prayed for his friend. Think about that a little bit. The Bible says in, in um, Matthew 26, 50, Jesus called Judas friend, not when things were going okay, the very night that he turned the Lord in and said, that's him, get a hold of him quick. Brought a whole bunch of people with him to make sure they got a hold of Jesus. And Jesus, when he kissed him, when, when Judas kissed him on the cheek, he turned to him and looked at him and said, Friend. He wasn't mocking. You know, the thing is, you know why? Watch, watch very carefully. It had nothing to do with how Judas treated Jesus. It's what Jesus wanted to be with Judas. Friend. Friend is something you give away. Not something, it's like love. Everybody wants to be loved. No, love is something you give. Yes. It's more blessed to than to. Exactly right. You have to sow before you. Okay, so love is something you give. You want to be more loved by people around you and the person you're with. What you want to do is give more. We've got to quit putting people on trial all the time. That's not friendship and that's not love at all. And so here in Proverbs 27, 6, tells us some, something of the understandings of true friendship it used to baffle me what this really said. We, it's one of our text verses. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, why would you hurt your friend? That's not what it's talking about. A friend stands in front and protects you. But watch what the rest of the verse says. But the kisses of an enemy are, they're kiss, you ever heard that term, they're kissing up to you? Friends don't do that. Somebody's getting ready to use you. That's what they do. And you have to be careful about that. So it clearly says faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And But it says this, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Don't you understand sometimes when things are going wrong in your Christian life, how quickly those that talked about you or didn't have anything to do with you, all of a sudden they want to be your friend? They're kissing up to you. Why would they do that? They're your enemy. They didn't all of a sudden become your friend. The person who over the decades or over the years took that gossip for you and that hurt for you and bailed you out and watched over you, that's a friend. They have all these wounds to prove it. Now all of a sudden this person, yeah, but they really like me. They always say nice things about me. First of all, you know that's not true. So something's wrong right off the bat. But listen to me also. I think there's another aspect of friendship that we need to consider. A friend will not aid or side with his friend when they're getting ready to do wrong. A friend, listen to me now, I'm talking about husbands and wives too, we'll talk about that in a moment. When they get ready to do wrong, but will because they are their friend, they will redirect them, guide them, or try to stop them. You understand? That's what friends do. Proverbs 27, 5, an open rebuke is better than a secret love. Now, an open rebuke is correction by words. Well, you know, I just loved him too much, so I didn't say anything. That's not true. That's not true at all. The Bible said, let me tell you which one of those are best, an open rebuke. That doesn't mean just slap them every time you turn around. That means like, yes, what are you doing? You know that's not right. 
Why would you act that way? Instead of, well, I didn't want to lose him as a friend. Sound like a teenage girl, doesn't it? I don't want to lose him as my friend, so I just went along with it. What else am I supposed to do? They're my friend. I always like the person who used to say all the time, uh, hey, look, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell him, but if you do, I'll probably go to jail. First of all, what are you doing running around people that are doing stuff like that? Why are those kinds of people your friends? Something's wrong right off the bat. Don't tell me how much you love someone or how good a friend you are or were and yet do nothing when they are headed in a wrong direction. You don't really love if you don't try to stop somebody from destroying their life. But it's amazing anymore how many people say, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. What if they're your friend? What if you say that's my friend? And they're doing something wrong. You don't want to get involved in that? Or they're getting ready to do some sin. You mean you don't want to get involved in that? I thought a friend laid down his life for his friend. I thought that's what the Bible taught. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? I mean, he laid his life in heaven aside. And then he literally laid his body aside. You know, for who? Not for himself, for us. That's what Jesus did for us. I do not know what some people call friendship or love, but the, uh, uh, the knowing and allowing a person to sin or willingly going along with them or ignoring it altogether because you say, I don't want my friend to think I don't care for them. If you knew anything about friendship, you'd say, you don't care. Friendship is a great responsibility. It is a great responsibility. People are falling out of friendships left and right like people do marriages anymore. I'm not trying to be hurtful, just the way it is. You know why? We don't value the relationship the way God says. We have defined it by what we think, and it doesn't work. And so this is what happened. Go to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 13. The sinful help of friends. What, what are we talking about? Let me give you an illustration here. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 13. 2 Samuel chapter number 13. Look at verse number 1. You know this story. So that, well, not everybody does. Newer Christians may not know this. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 13, starting in verse number 1. Now it came to pass after that, after that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. He couldn't figure out how to get her. He couldn't figure out how to make this thing happen. Now, please understand, this was his half-sister. Still didn't make it right. It was daddy's daughter, but it wasn't Amnon's true sister. It was Absalom's true sister. Watch in verse number three. But Amnon had a friend. Oh, had a what? A friend whose name was Jonadab. By the way, Jonadab, watch what it says here. The son of Shemiah. David's brother, so this would be his cousin. This is Amnon's cousin, somebody in the relations, and watch what it says. And Jonadab was very subtle. We come to find out that he went on down here, and Amnon couldn't figure out how to make this thing. How can I get a hold of her? How can I make this thing work? But his cousin said, I can fix this up for you. The Bible says he's very subtle. And the Bible clearly says Amnon had a friend. I don't care if it's a relation or not. When they're doing wrong, that is not your friend. If they will not listen to what is right, you need to separate yourself from them because no good's going to come out of this. So he actually bought into this, and the next thing you know, he's got his sister in his bedroom forcing her, and then when he's done, the Bible said he hated her with, with hatred more than that which he loved her with. Tossed her out, locked the door, and left her out there on the steps. 
It's no wonder to me that later on Absalom set him up and murdered him. Got him to come at a dinner and when he was there, they just, they murdered the man because of what happened to Tamar. But please understand, the Bible said he had a friend. A friend would go along with this. A friend would say, makes sense to me. A friend would say, I don't blame you. A friend would say, eh, if that's what you want, I'm your friend. You can count on me. Is that what friendship is anymore? Amnon wanted his half-sister, but the Bible says in verse 3, he couldn't figure it out, so he said he had a friend. What kind of a friend would side with someone wanting to sleep with his own sister? What kind of a friend? Who even thinks of that? Where would you come up with that? Not trying to be... Oh, not trying to object. Amnon, why didn't he just say, Amnon, what are you, what are you talking about? This isn't right. You, you can't do that. It's sinful. It's wrong. Don't act that way. No, I can't go along. I thought you were my friend. You ever notice how we pull that on people? Well, I thought we were friends. I thought we were friends. This is the weight we use on people, right? We'll get to husbands and wives here in just a moment. This is not a friend. Friends are great responsibilities. I've said that twice now. And ought to be handled with, ready? Not just care and not just love, but truth. Right. Not just truth. Some people use truth like a club. That's not, there's no care there, there's no love there. There's a balance between these things. His own sister Tamar was a real friend. If you read the story, she tried to tell him, look, let's just go to dad. Whatever he says, we'll do that. Look, don't do this sinful thing. Don't bring this into the family. Let's go to dad. He'll figure something out. Whatever he says is okay with me. Please don't do this horrible. So she was a real friend trying to stop him, but he would not have it. So we find out here she was more of a friend, of course, than his cousin. Or his, uh, yeah, his cousin was. Are you? Are, are your friendships based upon Bible, or sometimes in spite of the Bible? Well, I don't care what the preacher says. That's my friend, and I'm going to. Will you side with your friend even if they're wrong? If they do not like someone or actually hate them, do you persuade them differently, or do you side with them because they're your friend? What are you supposed to do? We're friends, you know. That's like the person that says family comes above everything. That's that's part of your problem. Everybody's going to come to a decision whether it's either somebody or family or Jesus Christ. Everybody will come to that sooner or later. Look at me and listen to me. You cannot, look, generation zero or whatever you label yourself as anymore. You cannot get around what God says is going to happen. I don't care how you plan it, don't care what you do, you're going to go through what God said. Why? Because God is trying to mold you and make you into yes, what he amen. wants you to be. So he knows what he's doing. We're talking about the sinful help of a friend. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 16. 2 Samuel chapter number 16. I, I love this story. It is not really what I... what it, Really what it should be. I just like a, a man who will just straighten things out. But sometimes we can be wrong in straightening things out. For example, here we read this story here. Look at verse number 5, chapter number 16. And, and when King David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came a man of the family of the house of Saul. If you don't know this story, Saul's off the throne now. David has taken over. This guy here was part of the family of Saul and thought that David took it by deceit and by force. And even if he did... Uh, um, Saul's son, 
Jonathan should have taken over, and so he's upset about that. Watch what he says. Whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, came forth and cursed as he came and, threw, and, and cast stones at David and at all the servants, and this is really stupid of him because we're talking about the mighty men of David plus a whole bunch of other guys. These mighty men took on whole armies by themselves. This is not a real smart man. He's totally out of control. He's accusing of things he doesn't know. But watch what happens here. And all the people and all the mighty men were on the right hand. I can see them covering David up. They're on the right hand and left hand. They're covering up David. This guy's kicking stuff at him, throwing stones at him, calling him names. And now watch what happens here. And he said in verse number 7, Thus came Shimei when he cursed. Come out. This is what he said. said Come out, thou bloody man, thou man of a lie, you son of the devil. That's what he's saying. That's what Malau is. And the Lord returneth upon thee the blood of the house of Saul, whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken. So he's leaving the kingdom. His son has rebelled against him. Everything seems to be going wrong. And this guy took the opportunity to throw rocks and call David names. Then said Abishai, now this is another different guy, okay? Then said Abishai, the son of Zariah, unto the king. Now he's going along with David. This one, David's mighty men. And he just, he's not going to put up with this. Now sometimes we think that's real manly. I don't care what the guy's doing or what's going on here. I ain't putting up with this. You're my friend. And this guy was for David, right or wrong. Look, you don't follow a preacher right or wrong. You follow him because he's right. The same thing with a friend. Now watch what happens here. And, and it, why, di, why, why should this, <laughs> I like this guy. Why should this dead dog curse my Lord, the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. You got to love a guy like this. Yeah. Trouble is, David saw right through it. David didn't say, look, I appreciate it, but you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Watch what he says. The king said, what have I to do with you, sons of Zariah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, curse David. David said, look, I don't know God's will. Maybe God's trying to teach me something. Leave the guy alone. So what happens here? And David said to Abishai and to all of his servants, behold, my son, which uh, came forth of my own bow, seek my life. How much more uh, may this uh, Benjamite do it? Let him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It might be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and that the Lord will require me good for his cursing this day. And then he tells Shimei, you're not going to knock it off. By the way, there was another day, this same guy, they were standing right at King Saul. King Saul was asleep, and, and all of his, Abner and all of his men, I don't know what they were doing. David and one guy went down while they were sleeping, and what, this guy said, let me kill him now. Look, he's asleep. We can kill him and still get away. And David said, you're not going to touch him. As far as David was concerned, that's God's anointed, and we're not going to bother him. But he was right there. But then he did something that still smote him in his heart. He cut off a piece, the Bible calls it his skirt. He cut off a piece of material, took it with him, and the next morning, Joab and all those guys got up, and nobody knew. Got up the next morning, and David's standing on top of this hill way over here, and he starts yelling. And Saul said, who is that, my son, David? David, is that you? Yes. And then he starts talking to Joab. How is it you let somebody sneak into the camp and get that close to the king? He had no idea what he was talking about. And then he pointed to the point. He said, I've got a piece of his skirt right here. And you're supposed to be protecting him. And he pleads with King Saul. Why? Because David was King Saul's friend. Saul was not David's friend at this time. 
See, friendship hasn't got anything to do with the other person. You have no right to attack a person or tear a person down because they don't want to be around you. At the very least you can do or the very most you can do is just simply walk away. Helping them and aiding them isn't going to help a thing. So this is what happened. Now had David been looking for someone to side with him, Shimei was your guy. And this guy already had his sword drawn and getting ready. I'll, I'll run up this. I'll take a stinking head off. David, you give me the word. He's gone. Nobody's going to talk about my king and my friend that way. Doesn't that sound like a real man? Now, if we were in war and they were facing the Philistines or the Midianites, it would have been different. But this is still a person that was in the kingdom that belonged to David that God told him to watch over. You have to understand these things. So, just the same thing with King Saul. If your friend talked about someone wrongly, would you agree with them? Would you encourage them? Would you add to it? Or would you help them see the truth? The truth. Not, I don't know the whole story. No, the truth. What does God say about gossip? What does God say about tailbearing? What does God say about vengeance? You have to understand what is it God wants. That's how you're going to build a good friendship. If your friend got his feelings hurt, a misunderstanding, or perhaps on purpose, would you continue to throw logs on that fire and encourage them? Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. Now, I'm not going to get involved, but man, I think you ought to have at it. Is this the way we do other people doing these kinds of things? If you had a friend who talked badly about their mom and dad, would you tell them that it's not right? Or would you say to yourself, man, right now they need a friend real bad so you go along with it? Is that what a friend does? Would you tell them that they should love and obey and honor their mom and dad or side with them and tell them that you understand or just cowardly, is that a word? Don't say anything. I don't want to get involved. That's your friend. You're involved whether you want to be or not. What do you think that you're trying to help? Is that, is that what we think by helping them or siding or listening to them? By the way, look up here. These, I don't know, it's part of the anatomy is not trash cans. Isn't that amazing? These are not trash cans and this is not for garbage. Okay? So whether you think you're gossiping or not, when you listen, gossips have nobody else to go to if they will not listen. Well, no, I, I just wanted to see what they had to say about why. Well, in case I could help or not help, you don't need to worry about that. What did God say to do? This is what friends do. Friends do what God says is a good friend, and that's what we need to be concerned about. So what we have here is we find out here, uh, do you do right to your friendship is not going along with your friend no matter what because they're your friend. How often have we heard that? Well, they're my friends. What am I supposed to I wonder how many people are in prison right now because of a friend. I wonder how many people lost a job because they had a friend. That didn't stop and said, no, what are you doing? Don't do that. No, you're going to get fired, man. Don't do that. Well, if you help me, no, I'm not going along with this. And you think because you're their friend, you have to side with them. That is so foolish and not biblical at all. Example, you remember the story with uh, David when he sinned with Bathsheba? There was a preacher who honestly loved David. I mean, he considered David not just somebody in the crowd. He was David's friend. He was absolutely David's friend. Nathan was David's friend and wondered what was best for God and for David. So when he heard what was going on, telling your friend privately and quietly with concern that they're doing wrong 
is what good friends do. It's not like, hey, what are you doing back there? Ah, that's sinful and you know that. What do you, what do you do? No, you don't broadcast. I need to talk to you. Can, can we get together? I need to talk to you about something. And you've prayed about it and you've wondered how to approach and you said, look, I, I know this is going on. It's not right. But I thought you were my friend. Stop. Just stop. I am your friend, and that's why I'm trying to help you understand this is not a right thing to do. I can't go along with it. I'm asking you to change your mind so we can go in a different direction. This is what a friend does. He doesn't broadcast. He doesn't tell it. I tried to stop him. You know what the guy's been doing? What are you doing? No, no, no. You're not a tailbearer. You don't run around and tell everybody what's going on. You're trying to help him before it gets any worse and change the direction is what you're after. Nathan told David, David wouldn't listen to him. He was his friend, and he always depended upon Nathan to help him out until one day David's sin entered into his life, and he didn't really want it. So David tells him this story. David, let me tell you about this rich guy. Okay, I love to hear stories about rich guys. So he's listening to him about this story, and he says there's a rich guy, and lived beside him was this poor guy. Now, the rich man had flocks of sheep, but the guy that lived next to him had one. Oh, it's his prized sheep. Oh, it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen for in your life. He actually treated it like it's one of his own kids. I mean, he let it stay in the house, and he watched over it, and he took care of it. He only had one. And the rich man had a guest stop by one day. Instead of taking from his own flock, he went next door and slaughtered that man's sheep. David said, that man ought to die and pay back fourfold. The reason he said fourfold, fourfold because that's what the Bible said under the, under the law. When a man takes one sheep, you pay back four. By the way, that stopped a lot of thievery today, wouldn't it? But David also passed sentence on himself and said, that man ought to die. Nathan turns around and said, David, God doesn't want to kill you, and he's not going to. But you are going to pay back fourfold. The sword will never leave your home. That's what a friend that you think you think Nathan said, and a sword will never leave your home. Boy, buddy, you're going to pay for it. That's not, he didn't want to say it, but it needed to be said. Sometimes there are things we don't want to say, but needs to be said. Why? Because somebody is heading for trouble, and they can't seem to help themselves, and they finally look at you and say, will you go along with it? Will you help me? What do you do at a time like that? The sinful help of friends is what we're talking about. You know, having a common enemy is not a, is not a good reason to become friends. You don't like them? I don't either. Hey, we got a lot in common. What's that all about? Do you know uh, when it came to Jesus, Herod and Pilate were, were, were civil and political enemies. They hated each other. They were always striving against each other until it came to Jesus. And the Bible said they were made friends on that day. What a terrible way to build a friendship on two people hating somebody. But it happens more times than you realize. I can't stand that. Man, neither. You don't, why? And you get to talking back and forth, and next thing you know, people you didn't like to begin with, now you're best friends because you have a common enemy. That is a terrible way to build a friendship. It's not going to work. There is another area in our lives that we must be very, very careful in, not to help the sinful way of a friend that we love. To me, this is one of the toughest friendships to guide I think. It's not somebody outside your family. Go to 1 Kings chapter number 21. 1 Kings chapter number 21. If you're in 2 Samuel, go toward Revelation. You'll go into 1 Kings and find chapter 21. First Kings chapter number 21. One of the harder things to do what I'm trying to teach you tonight 
is in your marriage. Here we have, these are two terrible examples, but here we have a man, innocent man, his name was Naboth. He had a vineyard. It just happened to be real close to Ahab's castle and his property. Ahab said, you know something, I want to expand a little bit and grow some wild flowers and some, some herbs. That's what it says, wants to grow some herbs. So he tell, now this sounds like a good offer, right? Hey, Naboth, how about me buying your land or you trade to me and I'll give you a better piece of land, but not this one. And he said, I can't do it. Now you think, boy, that's kind of rude. It's the king. He's making a request. But you have to read what the Bible actually says. He said, God forbid. According to the law, that land belonged to God. They weren't allowed to sell it or trade. It had to stay in the family, and it belonged to God forever. So he wasn't just being obstinate. He was actually telling the king, I can't. Here's the reason why. So the king goes home. Watch this very carefully. He goes home and starts pouting. He goes home, lays on his bed, turns his face to the wall, and begins to cry. His wife comes in, sleeves rolled up, says, Dad, it's printed on her arm, right? Cigarette in her hand. Honey, what's up with you? What's the matter? You're the king. What are you doing here? I went to talk to Naboth, effeminate. Went to talk, and I told him what I do. I give him money or trade him. Honey, you just go to sleep. Mommy, go take care of things for you. Jezebel, you think I'm kidding you? Jezebel writes a letter in her husband's name and said, I'll take care of it. She set up a couple of guys in the city, not too far from where um, uh, Naboth lived, and said, I want you to lie. They were called sons of Belial, sons of the devil, and they lied. And they said he went against the king and against God, and they said, you can't do that, so they killed him. The townspeople killed him. Mommy comes back home, honey, go take the land. It's yours, baby. He felt so good about himself. She committed murder, put the, his stamp of approval on that letter, telling people what they better do, and then they come back home like they're best of friends. Somebody should have said, it's not right. We, we shouldn't do this. Adam and Eve, same thing. Somebody should have said, he, he should not have gone along with his wife. Look at me, fellas. There are times you cannot go along with your wife. It's not just because you want to do something different. It's against the Bible. When she's gossiping, when she's not saying, and, and the same thing in reverse. Just look at him and say, honey, what are you doing? Turn on that sweet charm and use what God has given you and say, well, we can't do that. Honey, what are you doing? You've never acted like this before. You know, men can get wrapped up in their own flesh too and get so upset with people, they kind of lose it. Well, ma'am, that's when you step in and say, honey, what are you doing? Why, why are you fuming all the time? What's up with you? And the same thing in return. Husband, sometimes you just need to look at your wife and go like this. That's enough. We're not doing that. Yeah, but I just I understand, but we're not going to do that anymore. I know it's hard to do. They're hurt. They're crying. This is the husband. Maybe been attacked. Of course, at this point, they're crying. They've been attacked. They feel an injustice has been done. It's never for a call. It's a misunderstanding. It's totally unnecessary, and somebody needs to straighten them out. Sir, bad time to side. Well, she's my wife. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> Let me get it straight. Every time she blows a head gasket and starts crying, turns on the waterworks, you give in. 
What if she wants to shoot somebody? I mean, you have guns all over the house, right? What if she wants to shoot somebody? What if it's purposeful? Something that happened to her, it was purposeful? It was deliberate? She cannot understand what's going on? How in the world, and you can't either, so you go, how in the world can a sinful human being treat my wife that way? It's a good point. Let me get this right. A sinful human being that's not perfect would treat somebody that way. And that doesn't make sense to you. If you side with them at this time, like this, if you encourage at a time like this, if you are just silent and do not ease the fire at a time like this, what kind of a friend? I think the greatest friendship in the world next to Christ is husband and wife. Friends aren't people you have outside the family. So what happens if one of them goes contrary? Jezebel was not her husband's friend. Jezebel wasn't in it for him. She's in it for himself. When he looked bad, made her look bad. That's what she was concerned about. By helping him, this hurt, she brought on such evil to the kingdom, and both of them died because of her decision. Because God told Elijah, the preacher, you ever wonder, does the preacher really know what's going on in your life? See, now you fake me out, you just go like this all the time. You'll never know. But you ever notice inside you going like this? Does he know? I talked to that person, I told him, don't tell anybody. Did they tell him? So you're sitting here even tonight going like this. Does he know I just said that to somebody? How does he know that already? I just said it two days ago, and look what he's saying. My wife and I are not getting along, and, and what's he preaching on this? What's going on here? Same thing with Nathan and David. He finally had to look at him and said, Nathan, or David, you're the man. I don't mean like you're the man. He means like I'm trying to tell this story and preach this message because of you. It's because of you, David, and you're just not listening. Listen to me carefully here. Siding with your wife or husband just because you're a married couple, regardless as to what is really biblically right or not, is not a friend. We so much don't want conflict. Don't blame you. We really don't. You ever notice, fellas, how there you are dead tired. You've been working all day. You just want to go to sleep. And like one or two in the morning, she wants to have a conversation. Honey, are you asleep? What's going on? Somebody break in? No, can I talk to you? And then they get upset why in the middle of the conversation you fell asleep again. And I'm sure you're the kind of husband that sets up, gets dressed, puts your tie on, go, yes, honey, I have time. Talk to me. Ananias and Sapphira were a husband and wife that agreed together. But they both agreed about something very wrong and sinful. One of them should have said, honey, we, we can't lie about what we told the church we were going to give. By the way, that's exactly what happened. Both of them sold a piece of land and said, let's help the church out. And they both said, okay. And though when the money came in, they said, ooh, let's tell them we only sold it for this much. But they already told the Lord when it sells, we'll give it all to Peter and let them deal with it the way they think they need to. They both agreed. Somebody in that duo should have said, that's not right. We can't do that. You ever wonder why somebody didn't say no? He said both of them had the same heart. Let's assume one of them really didn't want to go along, but just didn't say anything. 
You ever wondered maybe how less trouble your family might be in had somebody said, honey, we're not going to do that. But see, you didn't want to see the waterworks and the and the and the silent treatment and the and the and nothing sweet to eat after dinner because you didn't fix anything this week because of the conversation that you had. Look, wife or not, husband or not, if we are behaving wrongly, help them see what they're doing and turn them. Amen. Isn't that what friends do? Or we just let them walk right off the edge of the cliff. Well, I'm their friend. Didn't want to stop them. You can't do that. Are their feelings wrong? Then tell them. What are you doing acting like that? That's not right. Honey, don't be that way. This is very hard for most men to do. They are going, okay, if, if they're going to rob a bank, you say, well, why would they do that? Well, you see, she went in last week, and one of the tellers were a little short with her, and it just really upset her. So she brings all this home. She's going to rob a bank. She's going to teach them a lesson. So she's going to get a gun, and she's going to shoot somebody. Okay, change the scenario. She's down at Kroger, and she sees a parking space up close to the door. She has her turn signal on. She's waiting for this old person to move out of the way. So she gives them plenty of room. And, of course, they take half the day to back up, making sure every inch is okay. Right? Hello, older people, you know what I'm talking about. And they finally get out, and she kind of waves, and she looks up, and somebody got right in her parking spot, and they did it on purpose. And they knew she was waiting. She had her turn signal on. She'd been waiting the whole time. So she comes home fuming. You wouldn't believe what this guy did at Kroger. What, honey? What happened? What happened? Somebody punch you? They stab you? What's going on? A guy took my parking spot. He did what? And he knew I was waiting. And now the story, this molehill is becoming a mountain. And you're going along with it. Because, see, you don't like to see her upset, and you don't. You don't like to see her crying, and you don't. You don't like to see her fuming, and you don't. And so instead of handling it right, you think the way to handle it is to go along with her to show her, I side with you. You ever thought about this? Honey, it's a parking spot. Well, you weren't there. You don't know what it's like. The guy just stared at me when he got out and waved like, oh, well. Would you side with your spouse if they were mad at another Christian? See, that's Kroger. There's some guy, probably a wino, who cares about him. You know, I'm just mad at him. There are a dime a dozen. What if it's another Christian in your church? You leave from here. You go home. You're having your bologna sandwiches before you go to bed at night. And she's a little moody, and you, you catch on to that, and you say, you okay? Well, I'm glad you asked. You didn't ask. You didn't ask about a problem. But she's willing to tell you. So you keep looking at your watch like, I got to get up in the morning. And that, oh, honey, you're not interested in my life, aren't you? You don't care how much I hurt. And I just tell you, it's not right. Can I tell you what's going on? I say, okay, go ahead. Yeah, whatever. What kind of a friend are you? What? Are you writing this down? Uh, what kind of a friend are you? Why don't you say, honey, whoa, stop, stop. We don't talk about other people in our church. We don't do that. Yeah, but you don't. Stop, honey, stop. I'll take care of things. Let me handle What are you going to do? See, they always want the details. You ever notice that? Like, how are you going to handle it? I'll take care of it. Well, what are you going to do? I'll take care of it. When? I'll, uh, look, honey, I will. I'll go and talk. To, I'll take care of it. 
What if they don't? And on and on you think, yourself, honey, honey, I'll take care of them. Most of the time, the only thing you're trying to do is take a mountain and bring it back down to the molehill. Instead, you've allowed them, sometimes it's the husband, to make this molehill a parking space. You're going to shoot somebody over a parking space. Seriously. Or you go to the bank, and what you always do, there's a new person there. These ignorant people that work at the banks. We've done this for 30, ma'am, I've been coming here for 25 years. You've never done this before. Oh, yeah, we've always done it. You're the new person. I've been here all this. No, you don't do that. Oh, now I'm mad. Honey, guess what happened down at the credit union? Oh, my God. I'm going to call Miriam. Somebody's got to straighten this place out. Would you side with your spouse if they were mad at another Christian? Would you side with them if they said, I'm not going to forgive? Would you side with them? Would you allow them to gossip about another person in your church? I'm talking about kids today out, out here on the playground. So far this year, we've had chipped tooth, broken arm. Uh, did, no, did you fall on your face again this year? No, praise the Lord. Okay. And uh, we've had all kinds of acts. I don't know what kind of outfit you're running out there, but it's not safe for little kids. And so you can almost, I want to know what's going on in this school. Why did my baby get hurt? Um, because they kicked that kid and tried to run across the slide and it didn't work. We don't want to hear it. We're upset. That's it. I'm done with that school. That's the way they're going to treat my children. You're not concerned about the other kids. It's yours. What if they did not tithe and you knew it? By the way, husbands and wives, do you even know if your husband and wife are tithing? No, you haven't? I always like what Mrs. Usher always did. <laughs> always tickled me. He used to tell me all the time, when I would talk about tithes and offerings, as soon as he'd go home, his wife would go like this, we are tithing, right? Yeah, why? Well, the preacher's talking about it. I just want to make sure we're doing what's right with our money. He used to tickle me all the time. So here's the woman straightening out the man, or at least checking with checking with. And he'd go, yeah, honey, we're doing what's right. Okay, just wondered. Do you, do you, even, do you even know? What's well, his money? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Everything you have belongs to God. God lent it to you for you to handle it properly. Do you even know? Well, my wife has her own jobs. How much she make? I don't know. What does she do with it? I don't know. It's her money. As long as we don't get any, any uh, shut-off notices or anything like that, her money. What if they were jealous and out to ruin another Christian? Would you get involved then? Friendship. Somebody who comes in when the whole world goes out, not when they do wrong. Well, nobody else wants to stand with them. They need somebody. The bleeding heart of a wrong intention is going to get somebody killed. Preacher, she cries, she hurts, she, she doesn't understand, she won't let it die down. She wants me to go straighten the person out. She's my wife, what am I supposed to do? You're kidding me, how old are you now? Seriously. So what you say by saying that is you've never disagreed with her too much. Now you don't disagree just to be disagreeing, that's foolish. 
We're talking about something sinful. Something's going to get somebody hurt. Something's going to ruin something. Sir, you need to step up to the plate and just stop the whole thing. You said, Preacher, I, I, I don't know what to do. Well, you certainly will not help by aiding in their wrong or their sin. That's never going to help. I don't care how much of a problem it may cause. That is not going to help at all by doing that. Here's what you do. Ready? All of that's to say this. What do I do, preacher? First of all, calm down. Just calm down. Uh, a lot of times, um, I probably shouldn't give away all my trade secrets, but they're not secrets. I remember listening to Brother Hiles one time. He was talking about counseling, and he said, when a person calls up about marriage counseling, don't set any, any times right away. I said, well, why said that? Most problems will settle themselves within 24 to 48. If two people are trying it all, it'll settle itself. But the person who doesn't understand that or not doing what's right, they want something handled real quick. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, it'll all go away overnight, you know, if I just drink this stuff. It doesn't work that way. But something happens when two people go to bed together and the house is quiet and your brain is going 40 mile an hour. You don't know what to say. And somebody breaks the silence. And I don't mean with an ashtray or, you know, pop bottle or whatever you got in your house. You okay? And? Look, I'll, I'll look into it, okay? All right. Calm down. Just calm down. Quit turning up the gas on the stove. Stop it. What are you going to do? Are you going to burn down your own house? Do I want to do that? So number one, calm down. Number two, tell her or him you'll take care of it. And then go do something about it. I don't mean go punch the person. I killed him for you. Everything's good. No, don't do that. Go, okay. Honey, I talked to him. They said they really didn't understand. They didn't mean it that way. Why you took it? They said they apologized if that's what happened. A lot of times it's just a total miscommunication and emotions. You took it the wrong way. No, I heard them. Yeah, but you took it the wrong way. Okay, I, I like to uh, uh, cut up and cut on people and stuff like that. And sometimes people take it the wrong way. You say, preacher, what do you do if you didn't mean it? I go and apologize. If I know I've hurt you, even if I think it's silly, if it hurt you, you say, well, I don't think it did. Then why are they talking about it? So you just go like this. Look, I said something the other day, and it was brought to my attention that, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean for it to come out that way. I'll be more careful, okay? See, I just handled the problem. Now, what a lot of men do, because they, they still have this little boy, and they think their wife is more like their mother. So they go home and tell mommy everything that's going on. Yeah, and then the guy did this. What do you want him to do, go down and beat the guy up on the, on the job? Why do you even tell him stuff like that? There was a guy that attended church here one time, had three or four daughters. Him and his wife were always into it. And uh, one day he was about ready to lose his job. So he goes home, and he's telling me this in, in the office. We were having marriage counseling here, I guess. And he said, uh, Preacher, I went home and told my girls in another month, maybe a month and a half, we won't have any refrigerator, any food in the refrigerator and won't have any utilities anymore. And I said, you did what? I'm talking about little girls. And I thought, why would you do that? Well, I just wanted to be honest. 
What'd you want him to do? Go out and get a job? What'd you do? Go out and shoot a cow, somebody's neighbor? I mean, what'd you want him to do? Why are you? We're not thinking. We're reacting to stuff, and you're going to lose good friends that way. Also, do this. Assure her that it's not that serious. You'll take care of it. People are, um, what's the worst thing you can do in a panic situation? Panic. Most things in life will tell you, calm down. It's not that bad. Handle the problem. Except in Christianity. <laughs> then it's like, blah, 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 blah. turn it down. No, we got to turn it up. No, you, gotta know, you don't know the reality that's going on in the background. I've been putting up with this for months. Why? Calm down. And then finally, use the truth to put out the fire. Let's assume they did it on purpose, whoever they are. And uh, you really did get hurt. <clears throat> but because you're a good Christian, and they're not, or they wouldn't have hurt you, the Bible's talking to you, not them, because they're carnal. They're not doing what's right, right? You just told your husband. You just told your wife. They don't know, they're not good Christians. They don't know what they're doing. Okay, then God puts it up to you to do what's right. And they that know to do right do it not to them. It's a sin. Sometimes this thing about friendship, it's almost like, Socks. Oh, those are dirty. I'll get another pair. Oh, those are dirty. I'll get another pair. Oh, those are dirty. I'll get another pair. Friends, I don't know about you. I have a lot of friends, but they don't come that easy sometimes. And when you lose them over something they said that you disagree, that's it. So you basically want to go through life and everybody has to agree with you or you don't have friends anymore. Your friend to circle, your, your friends in that circle are going to be like maybe that. And probably more like that crooked. Yeah, there you go. That's what's going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. When you say, that's my friend, do you know what you just said? I have a great responsibility. Oh, we get along great. How do you know it's a good friendship? Because we get along great. What's going to happen when you don't? And for those of you that just got married or those of you that are looking forward to getting married, I'm going to tell you something right now. I know you won't listen to me. Heidi, are you listening to me? Okay. What's happening here is this. I still need to find a guy for her. Well, actually, I need to find a guy for her dad to approve of, and that's the way it's going to work. Um, and I don't blame you. God bless your heart. I'd threaten him. Make sure you carry your razor knife with you everywhere you go. You have to understand, friendships are a huge responsibility. Marriage is meant to be one of the greater friendships a person can have. And that responsibility, it's also like this. Hey, we're not doing that. That's part of the friendship responsibility. It's also, you'll understand, not everybody does everything perfect all the time. I think one of the worst things, I'll be so glad when this happens when we get to heaven, misunderstandings will cease. No, I heard them. I know what they said. No, there has to be a misunderstanding. How can there be a misunderstanding? I understood exactly what I said. There's a misunderstanding because they misunderstood. Misunderstand. Get it? Okay, there you go. All right. Friends, think about all the people you claimed as friend one time. Where are they at? Where, where are they at? What happened? Remember those buddies? I tell our high school people, I said, you know, most of you, it's going to be short. Right after you get out of high school, you'll lose connection with one another and probably not even see each other. Last year, we had three or four graduates, and they all said, no, we'll keep in touch. We'll be back. So we said, not the first time. 
And yet we'll make drastic decisions in high school over a girl or a boy or right and wrong. And normally right after high school, we don't see each other anyway. We just do these foolish things. And we do the same thing in marriage. Do the same thing with best, best friends. Well, they hurt my feelings. Look, kiddo, it won't be the last time. What are you going to do about it? Let's learn how to handle it right. Not marks on a chalkboard one more time and we're done. What did the Bible say? How many times are you supposed to forgive? By the way, that's for your husband and wife too. That's not my fault that Mrs. Bell won't listen. Those are lover in spite of all that stuff. You don't know how tough I've got it. But anyway, okay, friends, let's pray. Father, thank you.